one, I will deepen my knowledge of MMT. Two, I will teach MMT to interested people. Three, I will endeavor to make people curious about MMT. Four, I will make and share resources to help myself and others do one, two, and three. Five, I will prioritize engaging with authentically curious people over those who are not. Six, when teaching or debating, I will not make statements about MMT that I do not know to be 100% correct. Seven, I recognize that the job guarantee or transition job is part of MMT and I need to be accomplished at explaining it. What I have said is that this campaign is not just about electing a president, it is about making a political revolution. Is the program so critical, it's worth borrowing money from China to pay for it? And if not, I'll get rid of it. Stop lying! I want the truth! Now, let's see if we can avoid the apocalypse altogether. Here's another episode of Macro and Cheese with your host, Steve Grumbine. All right, folks, this is Steve with Real Progressives. Today is a fun one. Uh, I have a friend from the UK, from the MMT podcast, comedian and economic activist, Christian Riley. Christian has been a friend of Real Progressives for some time. But without further ado, what I want to do is I want to bring on my guest. Welcome, sir. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks, Steve. It's an absolute privilege to talk to you. And thank you in person for all the work that you've done and all that you've taught me in MMT as well. So thanks for that. Well, you, you're an amazing guy, and that's why we have you on here. One of the things that I want our, our audience to know is that, first and foremost, the struggle that we all think we're fighting here at Real Progressives is not a U.S.-based only uh, fight. I mean, this is a global war against neoliberalism, and you guys are leading the charge out there in the U.K. along with Gims and other folks. Yeah, we'll give it a go. Yeah, so, so why don't you do us a favor? Talk a little bit about what you're doing with the MMT podcast. Talk a little bit about how you got involved in MMT, and then we'll take it from there. Okay. Well, after the 2008 uh, crisis, I was looking around for answers about what's happened because we were told we'd spent too much money and uh, there was no money to pay for anything. At the same time, they made loads of money to bail out the banks. So and this is me in 2008. I'm like, Right. So there's loads of money, but there's not any money at all. It was like Schrodinger's money. <laughs> and, um, and so I started reading on what money was. And I eventually came across the uh, Naked Capitalism blog and went into that, went, read a lot of Michael Hudson. And then one day I came across Warren Mosler. And that I just thought, wow, this, this guy really knows how to put it across. And, and I just devoured everything I could on MMT. And so you can see this is like a, a period of years. You know, I came across your stuff and you, you're talking to Ellis and, you know, all those really educational chats and stuff. And then, and then just seeing what the, you know, the sort of emotion that you put into it, I think is really important to me as well. It's really inspiring. And so I, I very much like to consume podcasts myself. So I thought, first of all, right, I don't know, a few years ago, I thought MMT 
once the penny drops, it's so illuminating that like all I need to do really is sit back and wait. I'll just get on. I just mind my, I, you know, what I do in my day job is I'm a comedian and when I, when I put shows together for the Edinburgh Festival, I try and make songs that make a political point and I mix it in with lots of very, very daft stuff. And that's to me, that's my sort of like I'm trying to, you know, just raise consciousness a millimeter on certain issues uh, through this thing uh, that I do as a, as a job. I just I happen to find myself being a comedian when all of this stuff became important. So um, I thought, right, I just need to. This is so obvious. And then around about 2014, David Graeber wrote a, a paper that uh, had been put out by the Bank of England. The title of the article was something like. Uh, money is an IOU and the banks are rolling in it. And it was sort of on page 90 of The Guardian. <laughs> but I just thought, now it's in mainstream news. And um, so it's only a matter of time. Surely, you know, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to push on this at all. It's going to happen naturally. But then, it, I don't know, after Trump was elected and things started moving more to the right, I mean, well, moving more, racing to the right, in a kind of, you know, just this death wish that seems to have happened globally to, to society and to, like, decency. I just thought, this is not going to... Anyway, it, it, I had a few projects to get out of the way, and then I thought, right, I'm, I'm going to... I don't know how to approach this, but, you know, I was very inspired by reading what uh, Patricia was writing on Twitter and, you, you know, reading uh, what she, she was putting out on websites. And uh, and I thought I got in touch with her to interview her for a podcast. That I thought oh, it's just going to be me. You know, I'm just going to interview a whole bunch of people. And uh, and then after the first one, in between the initial chat and then sitting down to edit it, I thought hey, we could do that regularly if she was up for it. So um, so I, I, I messaged her and said, why, why don't we do this regularly? And that's how the MMT podcast started. That's amazing. So first of all, I want to thank you for acknowledging the passion part of this. You know, offline, I almost wish that we could have done our pre-talk on <laughs> camera um, in retrospect, because some of the things I think are really important, right? We have various stations in this war, you know, and there's so many opportunities to serve in getting the message out there. From real progressive standpoint, we didn't say that we're real MMT, we're mm. real progressives. And so our job has been to translate MMT to a progressive world so that they can know how to use this to activate a progressive agenda. You know, naturally, MMT is nonpartisan, so you can morph and move and, you know, moving around all sorts of different circles. But if you think about what a progressive is, you know, a progressive isn't typically the person sitting there in a smoking jacket with a long curling pipe and a snuff of a scotch or anything like that in a, you know an old smoky room with you know, they're, they're oh, how have you been seeing what goes on in my house <laughs> but, surveillance state <laughs> the, the progressives in the u.s tend to be you know at at rallies with their fist in the air yelling yeah. about things that are important the environment health yeah you know and you think about that and you say what is always missing with progressives they got the right stuff. The Green Party's fighting for a lot of the right things, a lot of the right things, but they keep failing the economics. Well, um, I think the reason that I went down the route of calling the podcast the MMT podcast is I don't care who picks it up and runs with it. If it happens to be a right winger or something like that, that's fine. Eventually, for it to uh, permeate and be part of our culture, 
like a lot of MMTers are fond of saying, look, we uh, created a school system and it, it's federally funded and locally administered. You know, we're beyond the debate about whether that's good or bad or whether we could afford it or not afford it. And we need to be like that with, say, Medicare for All or over here in the, uh, in the UK about the NHS. And unfortunately, in the UK, popular opinion is very aligned with the NHS. You know, everybody loves the NHS. If you took a poll, you, you'd get you'd like 80% of the population are, you know, really in favor of the NHS. And so loads of those are going to be conservatives. So we tend to get our aspirations as progressives curtailed by and it's really been hammered home uh, since 2008 by this idea that there's not enough money we could run out of money and so that's why i went down the route of trying to understand what money is and then that led me to mmt so it really is our answering machine to all of that and so i identify as, as left of center I, i'd call myself actually i like anarchism you know i think you know a a, a you know, force is not self-justifying, all that stuff, you know. And so, um, but I'm not like, oh, let's dismantle the whole state. I mean, first, we've got to make our modifications and prove that power is illegitimate before we go that far. So that's where I'm coming from. That's, that's sure. my political conscience. Uh, but I totally, I've got conservative friends. I like them. And I always try and see things from the perspective of, you know, they, they think competition is healthy. And as a corollary of that, they're going to be thinking, yeah, so unemployment means hey, some people just have to lose the competition and they're just going to have to deal with it. And, you know, MNT goes, look, you can have it your way. You could have a really competitive private sector, but, you know, there doesn't have to be a zero bid for right. unemployed labor. And you can understand this. You don't have to become a, a Marxist to understand this. And, you know, that's what MMT gives us anyway. So. Yes, it gives that spectrum. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, I, I watch neoliberal after neoliberal after neoliberal got elected. Yes, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez got through, but then again, she was basically uncontested. That was, we knew she was going to win. Sure. But the rest of them, the other people like Tim Canova, Rodolfo Cortez, Guy Mamoun, I mean, the poor guy. I think he got 368 votes or something like that. And the libertarian that had left and quit the race a month prior got 1700. And, and it's like yeah. progressives in general got shellacked. Um, you know, you've got uh, Tim Canova barely got 5% of the vote. And this is a guy who I feel has presidential qualities. And what, he, was that in Florida? Was it? That was in Florida. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew. I think somebody commented on on real progressives. Well, it was like, well, come on, it's Florida, so who knows what actually happened? Well, but here's the thing, and this is what I think is dangerous, and this is why uh, this conversation for me is so powerful today. You know, I, I think that we realized, at least I realized, that we want to believe that we're closer to critical mass than we are. The oh, reality yeah. is we have a hearty group of people that really, really dig this, that get it that are motivated by it. And I remember this feeling back in the 1980s and it was called Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I was rolling a 20 sided die and taking on a plus 10 paladin of whatever. And, and the reality is, is that we all took it very seriously. Uh, you know, our slumber parties were met with the best of <laughs> and, but what I'm saying is, is that it, we were still relegated to nerd status. It wasn't mainstream yet. Maybe this is why we've got to define where we're going. 
yes like where we want to go right and yeah. and so that's why i wrote that manifesto and put it up there on the real progressives group because i just thought this is probably the biggest number of people that that have got a good enough grasp of mmt to want to do something with it no, let's take a step back and talk about that because we. I wanted yeah. to, that was where I was headed with this. I wanted to right. introduce the manifesto, right? So it's still this hardy band of people, and and they don't, you know, some of them are running over here saying I want a UBI. Some of them are over here saying, well, you know, MMT is kind of good in theory. And you've got a bunch of there's there is a core group, a very small core actually, that really truly understands the vitality the necessity of the federal job guarantee as part of the MMT framework. There's a very, very small core of people that understands that MMT is not just something that sounds good in the barstool terminology of theory, but it's yeah. a real congruent set of observable facts yeah. that produce a lens by which we can evaluate all of our hopes and dreams. And so when you put together this manifesto, and for those of you who don't know, Christian is an admin with us as well in the uh, Modern Monetary Theory for Real Progressives group. And he put together a, a, a phenomenal starting point for a, uh, a manifesto of sorts for MMT activists. And basically, he got it run through uh, several layers of MMT PhDs and, and through a bunch of us folks that really care about this. And we all went like this to it, okay? And, and so I asked Christian to come on the show to, to basically walk us through the manifesto so we could get folks to understand the underlying foundational layer before we even talk about anything beyond that. How do we know we can do these great things until we understand the foundation? And that's what he really did by putting this thing out there. He really gave us a blueprint, not only for how to conduct ourselves, but what we're trying to leverage. So Christian, I'm going to turn this over to you to kind of walk through the manifesto. Okay. Thanks, mate. Well, so I'll just give a little bit of personal background, uh, if you'll indulge me. I'm a big believer in a movement without an actual end goal, a point where you'll declare, right, it's over. We don't need to do anything now because we've got there. If you don't have that, you're not going to get there. So my fiance recently started this campaign in, on London transport. She's disabled and she can't stand for very long. She walks with a stick and she experienced that she couldn't get a seat at peak times on London transport. So she started a movement but, and it was because people are engrossed. It's London. People are engrossed in their newspapers and their phones and stuff. And they, they don't look up and probably would offer a seat if they looked up. So she uh, started this campaign to get the words, look up, does somebody need your seat, added to all the Mind the Gap announcements, which is something if you've ever been to London, that's what they say on the tube when the doors open, you know, mind the gap between the train and the platform. So what she didn't do was start a movement saying, hey, everybody, just be nice because it's too broad. You know, this is a movement to make people not. It's just a movement with a very specific end. And then it took her about three or four weeks. She got on, she got quite a bit of mainstream broadcast time and some famous people involved, but she kind of became famous for the cause uh, through her activism because it was, it was simple and it was something that everybody could get behind. So I find that really inspiring. So I decided that's what we need as MMTers is to maybe agree on where we're going. So I sat down and thought about that and I figured that what we want as MMTers, and again, everything I'm about to say is, is you correct me. I'm saying I think this is where we all align. And um, 
you know, you correct me if you don't think you're aligned with this. And then, you know, we'll find a way through together. It's not about me. It's about us. So I think what we're trying to achieve globally as MMTers is uh, full employment and price stability and full employment at a dignified wage, just, you know, to avoid anybody hijacking it and turning it into some uh, dystopian nightmare. Yeah, so we recognize that people reject that policy goal of full employment, and it's usually because they're afraid of inflation or, you know, they, they misunderstand monetary sovereignty. So this is why we need to explain MMT to everybody. I, I think some people go at it like, well, if I can just get a bit of time with, say, the shadow chancellor of the Exchequer in, in, uh, in the UK and explain it to him, he'll be the super domino and then MMT will be. And I don't think that way. I think it's going to take a grassroots campaign. Our politicians, we've seen it with Bernie. We've seen it with all, with all our most progressive heroes that are in mainstream politics. We even suspect that they might know MMT, but they always stop short. And it's because we haven't created the culture where they can safely come out, I don't think. Now, some people may say they should just come out and be strong and fair enough, but I can't make them do that. What I can do is I can talk to Stephen Grumbine. I can talk to Patricia. I can talk to everybody I meet. I can talk to, you know, so it's about creating a grassroots um, consciousness. It's like the teaching movements, uh, you know, back in the 60s or whatever. So, so you know, we could let's create a, a grassroots movement so that politician that tries to push these, the government's going to run out of money or, you know, if you spend one penny over a certain ratio, it's we're going to end up in Zimbabwe. So those, those people are just start looking like clowns. So, um, so I think the best way to spread MMT, this is, again, this is not a list of demands. I just wrote seven points down and I was, I was happy that it was seven points because, you know, seven deadly innocent frauds. So I wrote these seven points down and they could be added to, but I don't think they could be taken away from. So I'm almost ashamed to say them out loud because they sound so simple, but I think it just deserves saying out loud so that we can go, yeah, that's, yeah, we agree with that. So here we go. Point one. I will deepen my knowledge of MMT. Stands to reason, right? Two, I will teach MMT to interested people. Now, I don't know about you, Steve, but what you know, when you first discover MMT, you go, oh my God, I've got to tell everybody. And you're just walking up to strangers at bus stops. You know, you know the government can't run out of money because they're the monopoly issuer. And you're just, you know. You drive into the fast food restaurant and they say, <laughs> yeah. Prize for that. Let me tell you about <laughs> exactly. So, and, and it, it, that's kind of how I got down to making a podcast because I thought I think the kind of people who are going to eventually sort of want to take the time to understand this are the kind of people that will get to listen to things in podcast form rather than on Twitter. It's just like man, people just love that, you know, two hundred and eighty characters, you know, just yeah. <laughs> I'm cleverer than you. No, I'm cleverer than you. And it just, you know, anyway, that's, that's how I, I decided to try and teach only people who are already interested. Because otherwise, it's like you're a car salesman. Do you just walk around on the street trying to flog cars to people? Or do you get a job at a car dealership? You've got you've to move them through a longer transition if you just walk up to them on the street as a car dealer. So, um, so one is deepen knowledge of MMT. Two, teach MMT to interested people. Um, three, uh, I really found that out the hard way. You know, it, it cost me relationships for sure. Um, uh, three, I will endeavor to make people curious about MMT. And that, again, that's just wide open. Could be art, could be 
could just be conversations. It could be, you know, that's as broad as you want it to be. Um, for I will make and share resources to help myself and others do one, two, and three. So again, I, I would count my our podcast, mine and Patricia's podcast, in that category of like this is a tool. So if, if you come across somebody who's interested in MMT or seems to have an interest in macroeconomics, you can go rather than arguing on Twitter with people. You know, just start here and listen. You know, you spend a lot of time of your day doing chores or something. Just plug this into your ears and see what you think. So. And we'll, we'll move you along from curious to maybe questioning and maybe want to just push back on it and maybe to the point where you get it. And then five, I will prioritize engaging with authentically curious people over those who are not. So I think that happens a lot online as well. You, you can spot it instantly, I think, or, or I think we need to develop a sort of an instinct for knowing when to just go, hang on a second, you know, usually... Somebody will pop up online and go, hey, idiot, you're an idiot. <laughs> and, and then when I see people trying to, <laughs> when I see people trying to go, oh, idiot, how? Let's turn it, you know, this, uh, this person really wants me to turn them around. I'm like, no, 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 don't go there. That person's just come in and just wants to waste your time. You know, as long as you're typing words into that keyboard, uh, trying to win some stupid competition, think of the opportunity cost, all the people you could have been changing or get or making curious or answering questions that were genuinely curious think of what you're losing if you go down that rabbit hole with this with that guy you know it's always a it's always a guy as well <laughs> yes it is yeah Absolutely. um so um yeah i know uh, there was this thing and I, I think i linked to it somewhere but I, it's, there's this um if you haven't heard of it you should google it uh sea lioning Right. And so it's this sort of person that just comes up and just keeps asking you questions that are just on the surface of it. It looks like they're coming across as a curious person, but really they're just wasting your time. Yes. It's described as a sort of physical uh, denial of service attack. Because you know, while you're doing this, you can't actually, you know, you can't actually function because you're answering all these inane questions or off point questions. So, you know, it's good to be able to sort of identify those people early on, I think. So. Number six, when teaching or debating, I will not make statements about MMT that I do not know to be 100% correct. Now, I'm sorry if that sounds a bit scoldy or a bit, you know, prohibitive. All I mean to say is if you get into an area where you're not confident that you're going to say the right thing, it's okay to say, I think it's like this and keep me honest. You know, you ask around. There's so much out there, isn't there? You know, I and you've made half of it. So, you know, there's so much out there that you can link to. The, you know, the weird thing about the MMT now is there was some discussion about whether the job guarantee is in or out of part of MMT or not part of MMT. And people are going, the people are saying, no, it's not. And then there are only a small number of people, but no, it's not part of MMT. When we're, um, when we're having the back and forth, I'm thinking, like, it's not like we're debating what Marx said and meant. You know, the people who wrote this stuff, they're still alive. We could just ask them. In fact, even better, we don't need to ask them. It's well documented. I see MMT in, in two ways, right? I see MMT as the operational reality. You can trace the balance sheets, the ledgers. You, you can go through, see the accounting identities, see how the stuff flows. It's empirical. This is not you watching it happen. Yeah, like, yeah. Then you have now that I've gotten these new glasses from, you know, the, the optician, you know, I, now, now I can see things a little differently. 
And so now I can theoretically create a framework for programs and policies based on these new glasses I have now that I understand how the ledgers work. Now I can see clearly, and, and this is where the theoretical portion of it, you know, this is the ever expanding. Here's how this knowledge translates into, you know, other things. It, it can expand how the, the body of knowledge ebbs and flows and grows. There's a core that is just facts and it's not up for debate. It, the debate's done. You know, and this yeah. is, this is like gravity. It's, it, this is it. And so when you fight with folks about what is, it's kind of like insanity, right? That at some point in time, they have to want to pick up a book. They got to crack the spine of a book. They got to click a link. They got to do something other than fight with you about reality because that is a time waste. Um, yeah. Anyway, keep going. And I just wanted to throw that in there. I thought yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, I'm nearly done. So, it, so that last thing I talked about was just being okay with saying, look, I'm, I don't know whether I'm 100% correct, but you know, these things I know, these things I'm sketchy on, you know, just make sure that you know what you're talking about. But that shouldn't stop you from talking if you don't, but just say, this thing I'm not sure on, I think is a better way forward. And then that also highlights where you need to go back to step one, and I will deepen my knowledge of MMT. These conversations also shine a light on where you delve into your learning a bit deeper. That, I think it's good. Um, it's good to have conversations and get into an area where you don't know the answers because it shows you the way forward as a learner. Um, Number seven is I recognize that the job guarantee or transition job is part of MMT and I need to be accomplished at explaining it. And that's the end of it, really. And when, when I floated it on the MMT for Real Progressives forum, the only real pushback was that uh, there was this, is the job guarantee part of MMT or not? I think maybe we've solved that one. I, I think there's enough consensus that it is. And obviously, we, we know it's in the literature. And then the other thing was using the word teaching. I will teach MMT to interested people. Um, I can't remember who, but it was a valid point. They said that um, teach might be not the appropriate words. You know, like we're not the teachers. We need to refer people to the experts. So maybe the other word was way I was thinking about maybe rephrasing that was I will share what I know with them about MMT to interested people. You are listening to Macro and Cheese, a podcast brought to you by Real Progressives, a nonprofit organization dedicated to teaching the masses about MMT or modern monetary theory. Please help our efforts and become a monthly donor at PayPal or Patreon. Like and follow our pages on Facebook and YouTube and follow us on Periscope, Twitter, and Instagram. We think about this, right? So we have professors that teach, right? And then we have us who are John the Baptist. Yes, that's a line actually is I wrote yeah, yeah. and, and and I think that it, it we're pointing the way to the people that know, but we're taking what we know and we're extrapolating it down for consumable bite sizes. And yeah. this is one thing that, that I think is worth taking a moment to talk about. Um, back when Ellis and I used to do our show together, 
you know, we got critiques from on high and from on low because we quote unquote simplified things. Oh, well, that's not precisely correct, you know, and stuff like that. And, and, and Ellis would get very, very upset because it's like, guys, listen, we're trying to convey the essence of this message. None of these people we're talking to are planning to become MMT economists, and they are not going to be getting their PhD based on this live stream. If they get their PhD, they'll go through whatever training and rigor that they need to go through. So yeah. we don't have to worry about that. We're not going to yeah. send bad. We've already, economists are already terrible to begin with. So we can't hurt it anymore. <laughs> so bad. I totally agree. I totally agree. <laughs> so get out. It sounds to me like you guys were just annoying precisely the right people that needed to be annoyed, basically. <laughs> we tried, you know, yeah. and you know, we would have people come through, right? And, you know, we're here. You have to come to us. It's not like we're going to you here. And and they would come into the chats or they would come into the show and, and they would start saying, oh, the Federal Reserve is private banksters, you know, <laughs> they come up with all these things and distract the guns, you know, just send exactly. them there. This is what I'm like, saying. It's sea lining. Yes. You know, it's, like, uh, it's been answered. Here's the link. Just it's beyond dispute, you know, to anybody with eyes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, okay. So I want to talk just for a minute about the job guarantee itself. And for a program, what seems like a policy program to matter, why, why would this program be essential to MMT? Well, it's essential for an efficient economy when you understand what the dollar was to begin with. As Mosler says, the dollar created the first unemployed person, the tax. You know, once you impose that tax, you now have created the very first unemployed person because that person has to do something to get that dollar to pay that tax. And, and this goes back forever. You know, as long as there's been a fiat currency of any flavor, even metalist currencies, um, you know, that had the king's, you know, the king's yeah. gold, as it were. What do I need this for? I'm going fishing. You know, I'm going yeah. to pick a potato out of the ground, whatever. So now why do I need this? And and the imposition of the hut tax, the imposition of a tax, the imposition of an obligation payable only in that is what generated unemployment. So if the government can generate unemployment, it has the responsibility to end it as well. And and so from a from just a pure yeah. ethical standpoint, the job guarantee functions to create a ethical bottom of the economy that you no longer have people that are living in destitution that you've created a situation where we've imposed this thing on you. And rather than making you slaves, we've now given you a way out that you'll always be able to meet your obligations. I think a way into it, I think we need to be able to talk to, right, you know, you and I both identify as progressives and, uh, you know, left of center. I do think we need to put some effort into learning how to talk to people who are right of center about the job guarantee, because left of center people get it on, on political conscience ground. And, you know, I think it's almost like we need to forget that stuff, forget it, because sooner or later, you're going to end up talking to somebody or the person that you're talking to who's left of center will end up talking to somebody who is right of center. And if they don't have the right way of putting it across, our idea is going to stop there and we need it to spread beyond our tribe. Now, the, the trick with Grumbine is that Grumbine started out a radical right wing conservative. Uh, so I spoke fluent. Tea Party. I spoke fluent Ron Paul. I spoke fluent LOL Bertarian. And I spoke fluent GOP. So I come from that world. And part of that, that transition is that I learned how to speak both languages. And you think about this, yeah. 
conservatives are largely concerned with fairness too in a different way. We, we as progressives are concerned about fairness in that you know we see capital reigning supreme over labor and so forth. But on the other side of the game, they're saying, hey, I worked really hard for my money. Why should you who are lazy get the same thing I'm getting? You yeah. know, so there's a bit of a fairness element there as well. Exactly. There are loads of areas where we connect on, on both sides of the spectrum. And I was thinking, I was having a, a, a chat on Twitter with just before I came on air with you. Uh, yeah, with Jeff Epstein. I was chatting with him on Twitter. And uh, we were talking about libertarians probably not liking the job guarantee. But I'm thinking, actually, well, the government intervenes to make people unemployed. So we're trying to get it back to the state of no intervention by using the job guarantee. Now, obviously, you could say, well, that means we should just dismantle the government. And duh, yeah. <laughs> but, but like until that point, until we've totally dismantled the government and we're all living in caves off our wit, you know, <laughs> forging our own steel, <laughs> fighting each other to the death for, you know, a, 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 you know each other's meat. Um, and, you know, until we get to that point, we should maybe try and get the get you know get it back to a state of no intervention. You know, the intervention is the thing that makes the unemployment. Um, I don't know if that's a, a worthwhile talking point. I'm just throwing it out there. You know, it's interesting coming from that libertarian world. You know, they believe tax is force. So I think that yeah, it, well, it is. Yeah, when when you understand that the tax is also what creates this environment. What you're doing is saying, hey, listen, we're, we're kind of putting one on the left side of the equal sign and we're putting one on the right. And we're making this balance out now. Now we're taking away some of the force and we're giving you an easy out, so to speak. We're giving you a way of being what you want to be and taking away some of the force element. And by creating communities, which is, you know, you know they want volunteerism and so forth. I mean, this is a voluntary program. I think that gets lost a lot of the time. People think, oh, you know, this, that's the government coming in and saying you're not allowed to be unemployed. And of course, I think on our episode four of our podcast series, Shameless Plug, we talked to Fidel Kabu, who's amazing. Uh, I'm sure everybody watching knows he's amazing. And, you know, one of the first things he says is if you don't want to work in the job guarantee on moral grounds, on, on ideological grounds, nobody has to. You can be voluntarily unemployed. You can be between jobs. So. I think two big things people miss about the job guarantee is it's a voluntary scheme and it's federally funded and locally administered. A lot of people always forget that, but you've, we've been over that a thousand times, I'm sure. But to the earlier point about taxes force, yeah, it is. So the point is, is it illegitimate force? It is if the reasons that you're taxing and spending haven't been arrived at democratically, then yeah, that is a legitimate force. So I think the solution to that is to legitimize that force by expanding democracy and doing what you can yeah. to do that rather than dismantling the whole system. I just don't think that's going to create a fairer world because the, the first thing that happens is when you dismantle the state, you've still got these large conglomerations of private power and they're just going to be the new government. Where you can have two relationships with a corporation as an individual, uh, a consumer, or an employee. That's it. You yeah. Know, as Noam Chomsky is very fond of saying a lot of the time, you know, corporations are top down tyrannies. They're pure totalitarian organizations. I think that's a spot on analysis of, of it. So the only countervailing force we've got at the moment is government state power. And so we need to, instead of having that state power constantly captured by private power, we need to 
do what we can to change that equation and uh, participate in democracy. I love it. The election here in the United States was a travesty for progressives. And in a way, they're not being radical enough. The Democrats aren't being radical enough, and that's why they're getting their asses kicked. Well, the Democrats, though, by definition, are the center party. They've always been the center mm-hmm. party. And that's the problem, right? There is no left in America. And the left that is there is getting 200 votes instead of you know 20,000 or 2 million. I mean, the left has been marginalized and cut out and then vote shamed out of anything. We, we have this problem in the United States, unlike other places where we don't have ruling coalitions. We have this first-past-the-post uh, we have first past the post here as well. There is no coalitions. It's a duopoly, period. Because of that, there's this thing called Duverger's Law that goes out there, and it really makes it impossible for independents and third parties of any variety to make any real traction. They almost have to have a movement backing them, which is what this movement for a People's Party was banking on and hoping and praying that Bernie Sanders would walk away and ride on his horse taking this party to the promised land. And that would have then depleted the Democrats and moved them over here to this new thing that would be democratized and all the superdelegates would be gone and all this stuff, you know, and it didn't quite play out that way. So we're sitting here as progressives, basically men without a home, women without a home, because the Democratic Party doesn't actually do progressive stuff. They really don't. In fact, we were joking yesterday about uh, a Christmas carol. And talking about the Democrats of Christmas past, the Democrats of Christmas present, and the Democrats of Christmas future, and the Democrats of Christmas future end up being Republicans. <laughs> the Democrats of today have this ghostly remembrance of what it was like to be FDR, of what it was like to be JFK, of what it was like to you know actually fight for public services. And the Democrats of today really don't do that, so they don't really know who they are. And if you just want a Republican, Republicans do Republicanism better than anybody. Yeah, yeah. I think a way out of not being depressed by this situation, and we have it in the UK, we've got a bit more of a spectrum now because we've got Jeremy Corbyn leading the Labour Party. So it's looking like more of an authentically left-wing Labour Party and more of an authentic left-wing opposition than we've had for some time. So I think deliberately or by accident, the Labour Party as an institution has learned the lessons of the Blair years. But I I always think a way to stop getting depressed by this situation is think of politics as movements, not as getting your party elected. It's just that's the last stage. And so that's why I'm trying to think of the MMT as a movement. And so instead of going MMT, we want uh, a Green New Deal. It's like, no, no, people who want that can use MMT. But MMT is globally, I think, we, you know, we want full employment and price stability. Okay, it doesn't mean we don't care about those other things. But like if we start adding extra missions to it, to our uh, grassroots effort to uh, spread MMT, we're going to get distracted. And that's pretty much what happens to political parties. They end up, you know, they have to have this plank and that plank and that plank. And then by the time the manifestos come out, it's compromise after compromise. And well, like, uh, again, sorry, I'm going to, the second time I brought up Chomsky, but like it's, he goes, oh, there's one party in, in America. There's the business party, and it's got two arms. It's got the, the Republican arm and the, de- and the Democrat arm, but it's the same party. You know, if you are power or connected to power, that's the way you want it. You want it to look like there's choice. As a parent, you're a parent. You know, I would say, you know, I've got two kids, and you want them to get dressed, and they don't want to get dressed. You know, you go, all right, whoever can get dressed the quickest wins the competition. And they go, and they're dressed all of a sudden. 
if you've got a kid that doesn't want to get dressed, do you go, do you want to put on the red top or the blue top? And they make a choice and they put it on and you're like, yes, I got you dressed. I think parents understand how the two-party system works. That was actually very good. I hope I'll have to remember that as a dad. I got to put that in the book. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One more thing I want to bring up before we get into the final leg here. We want to answer these UBI questions. Yes. For, for another hour. Yes. I mean, you figure it this, right? We, we have been inundated with misinformation, right? Disinformation, you name it. There is a lot of fighting going on on Twitter amongst mm. academics even right now. And these academic wars cascade down to the worker bees, the, the warriors on the front line, and they don't have all the tools. I mean, we've got people on our team, quite frankly, that haven't taken the time to, to ingest and consume and read the literature so that they're prepared for these battles. And they'll go out there and go, you're an idiot or you're this. And it's like, ah, and it's a gift to, to them because then they, instead of dealing with the, like the hardcore literature, they'll go. An MMT-esque Twitterer said this, so I'm going to address this. But they don't speak for every MMT. There's two decades of uh, scholarly work gone into it. We won't mention her by name, but there is a financial blogger over here in, in the UK that you know, has not exactly covered herself in glory. You know, She's tilting at straw men all day long. It's just... You know. <laughs> but I think look, what, we don't need to address that. Let them slug it out. You know, this is a massive low ball estimate. There's a thousand people you could be talking to who are genuinely curious that you could have some impact with. The person that gets up in your grill and, you know, hey, idiot, <laughs> explain this. And it's like, well, no, that's, I don't need to explain that. Why don't you go and Google that? Why don't you bring that question up later when I'm not here? <laughs> you know, I was, uh, you know, looking at Bill Mitchell being thrashed by this individual. Did, and, uh, have you read his blog, his latest blog? It's the perfect comeback. What is it? Something like, well, MMT doesn't, you know, doesn't show how monetary sovereignty works on Pluto. <laughs> or something. It was beautiful. Show me where on Snapchat. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You've addressed this. Yes, that was the best. But 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 when I saw that though, right? I, you know, my 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 first instinct is, you know, I'm close to Bill. I like Bill a lot, and there he is you know, being publicly flamed by this person with 40 plus thousand followers. And I'm frustrated. And then I look in our inbox and our inbox is full of people coming to us. What about this article? And I used uh, notes from a um, guy who does bond economics, uh, Brian Romanchuk. He wrote a great rebuttal as well to her monetary sovereignty yeah, the myth of the myth of yes. monetary sovereignty. It was a great piece. The myth of the myth of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was beautiful. You know, we're in there answering inboxes from this. And it's like, Claire came to me and said, you know, I let them fight this out. We're good. And, and I thought to myself, wait a minute. She brought up a great point. She said, you know what? If they're accidentally now asking about MMT because the charlatan went out there and call it a win. So I think that it's always a matter of perspective. This is what's going to happen as it gets more and more traction. Yes. It was so fringe a year ago. Now it's it's still fringe, but it's growing. You know, I think more, Warren said in one of his talks that I heard that it's becoming more. He heard a reaction in mainstream media that was something like, "Oh well, MMT says this," instead of, or Keynesianism would have said this. So you know, it's already starting to be a go-to trope. I think that it's important, though. I I want to make this point to tie it back to your manifesto. 
because this manifesto is something that I want RP to kind of get behind. I mean, we, to be clear, when Real Progressive started, we started as a political movement to both support Stephanie Kelton, but also support Bernie Sanders. We're only here to talk about MMT. We're not here to talk about the progressive movement. We're not here to talk about an agenda. We're here to talk about MMT. For a lot of us, we've been suffering through this. And I watch people that follow us defeat after defeat after impending defeat over and over and over again. And, you know, for years, they've had these great visions. And for years, victory's been snatched out from in front of them. And they watch the, the cackling Hillary Clinton laughing and saying, how are you going to pay for it? It's pie in the sky. And that horrible neoliberal cackle of the vote blue corporate Democrats in America has plagued progressives forever. It's what really haunts their existence. Did did you see Nancy Pelosi straight after the, uh, when when they took back the house, she was just went, Hey, we're not going to be like the Republicans. And it's like, you, you exactly need to be like the Republicans. Have you learned nothing? Nothing, nothing. The idea here is, is that progressives are hurting and they've always been hurting and they've always been angry. And quite frankly, I know that they'll hate me for saying this, but it's okay. I largely see activists and independents as the activist wing of the Democratic Party, even though they don't want to see themselves that way. Because right now there aren't any Greens really elected at the moment. There aren't a whole lot of independents out there elected at the moment. And so whether we like it or not, these jokers are running the show. And that's just in the U.S. I see this happening all around the world, although you all have a little bit more freedom to uh, work in multi-caucus groups. You have multiple ways of pulling people together to work. Well, we have that too. And unfortunately, because of the way that the bylaws are written in the United States, I mean, these are private corporations, these parties, and they, they have no requirement to hold a primary. They can just handpick whoever they want to be their candidate. So for activists that have fought for Bernie Sanders that maybe got woken to that moment, um, you know, had a huge chasm of defeat in their heart. I mean, everything fell apart. They started to believe for a minute and then it was taken away. Well, I was going to say that if you look at it, if you go, I have to get Bernie elected, Bernie has to be president. Everything else is going to depress me. You're going to be depressed, right? You know, I love Bernie, uh, but I think we, what we should do as progressives or any kind of activists, and it's going to sound weird, but we should learn from UKIP. UKIP is the UK Independence Party, uh, and they were set up to get Britain out of the European Union. People mistakenly think, oh, they're irrelevant. They've never won any elections. They've never... What they did was they threatened to cost conservatives the election over here in the UK. And the Conservatives had to promise an in-out referendum on the European Union. And it took 17 years for this guy, Nigel Farage, who, you know, I don't like UKIP. I don't like Nigel Farage. I'm, I'm actually a, a Remain voter. I, I, you know, I wish we were still in the European Union, uh, even though it has massive flaws. But, that, you know, that's another topic for another day. So they pressured the Conservatives to including this referendum in their manifesto. And then the conservatives, you know, managed to hold on to power because they adopted that. Then the referendum happened and now we're leaving the European Union. So as a movement, UKIP actually worked. It took them 17 years, but that's how you pull a party to your end of the political spectrum. It's funny. I'm watching some of the comments here about UKIP because obviously UKIP played Mm -hmm. with the conservative side of the things. But the reality is 
we can do a left wing UKIP, you know, yes. call them this way. Stop worrying about what they are and start worrying about what model they use. You know, I, I did a stream called Spreadsheets and I talked about how the right wing is organized. They don't sit there and bicker. It's simple. They focus and they get shit done. It's bad shit, but they get it done. And I'm like, guys, in order for us to take even baby steps forward, we got to really organize. And that means we need systems. That means we need people dialed into some basic principles that we don't cross over, that we stay no matter what. This is ground zero right here. And that's what they do. And that's why they keep cleaning our clock. I hope that I hope this doesn't sound off color, but I think I think that some of the best activists in the world are in the business community because they, you know, if you think about like what a startup is or, or how you move from a startup to a successful business is, you go, where are we going? And there is no step in a business plan that's like magic happens <laughs> and then we'll be in profit. You know, it's like, will this lead to that? OK, no, it won't. We need to rethink this step. Or, you know, and hammer it out until we get these steps that actually work. And if you're a progressive, I think you need to do that as well. You need to have that kind of uh, ethic behind the direction you're going in. And it all starts with knowing where you want to get to. In real specific terms, like the more specific you can be, the better chance you've got of hitting it, right? If you think about it, the the people what we're up against, God, yeah. it sounds so bad, but you see us talking about folks throwing rocks at police and stuff like that, and then they shoot them with a bullet. And it's like, that's disgusting. It's evil. It's horrible. But that's kind of what it's like when you're a progressive or just a, a regular proletariat fighting back against a machine that's organized. If all we're going to do is run around with cardboard signs in our hands and growls and be miserable, we're not going to do much of anything. I mean, I'm thinking aloud here. So, you know, give me enough rope. I will hang myself. Um, <laughs> Maybe it's like these are not the folks we're up because, you know, you're saying the folks we're up against. Maybe it's a question of thinking, are we up against them? Because, you know, remember at some point in this conversation, we we're going, actually, there's a lot of alignment here. Yeah. You know, they want this. We actually want this. We're just talking about it in a different way. So I always think if the idea of trying to get across requires the person you're talking to to completely change their worldview, you're not going to get there. And you, if you want people to understand MMT, the great thing about it is they don't need to change their worldview. They can be a conservative. They can be like a very into capitalism. When I see the powers that be, the powers that we're fighting against, this is the two sides of the one party that Noam Chomsky talks about. They have the Democrat arm and the Republican arm, but it's still the capital arm. And the bottom line is that the illusion of choice, when we talk about fighting that, our own misinformation. It's the illusions that people, I mean, why would somebody that watches the United States out of thin air come up with 700 billion like that for the military suddenly think that we can't come up with the basics to pay for healthcare? I'm just, just spitballing, can't figure it out. <laughs> right. And so there's some mind game that has gone on to allow people to believe this thing. And I, I've been so morose with looking at politics in America because everybody's telling me I'm not a Democrat or I'm not a this. Tell me what you're for. Help me out. Tell me what you are for. Show me what you will do when you govern. And if you don't understand the economic base, thing else is horseshit because you literally can't do anything you just said. So everything you say past the butt can't be done.
There's no yeah. point in having the rest of that conversation. I don't care what your morality is. I don't care what your politics are. If you don't understand the economics of it, you're selling snake oil. Yeah, I think and, that that should be your posture. Just like, do you want to understand how to get what you want? Do you understand how to talk about it? Because the first thing that you're going to come up against is somebody going, the government's run out of money or how are you going to pay for it? And if you're interested, I can solve that problem for you. Like you've said in the past, if you just want to put your fist in the air and, you know, hold a sign and stuff, then, yeah, that, that's good as well. It's nice to have a get together. But, you know, this this will really get you where you want to go. It's in your hands, you know. Yeah. And see, and that's it. You take away the victim side of this and you give them the keys to the car. You say, listen, this right here drives the vehicle. You put these keys in, it goes. MMT is the keys. It's the gas. It's whatever you want to call it. It's the engine of the car. Otherwise, yeah. you're sitting there and like a tin can, you're doing nothing. You're going nowhere. Um, and so I think that this thing that we're doing here and this manifesto that you've put together is really, really important. I think that, you know, one of the challenges I would give to my own followers, the people that are part of real progressives, take the time to learn this stuff. Don't shortchange the learning. Don't shortchange the getting to know the material. Know where to mm. find information. Don't just immediately yell, you know, for a floaty to find it. Do the hard work. Go to new economic perspectives. Go to Fidel Kaboob and, and uh, Global Institute for Sustainable Prosperity. Go to Levy Institute. Go to UMKC. Go to Naked Capitalism. Go to these places that have the stuff. Come here. Mm. Go, you know, yeah. go to Deficit Owls. Go to Modern Money Network. Go to the MMT podcast. Places. That sounds like a great podcast, Steve. It sure does. Use the tools. There's loads of them out there and uh, loads of ways. So, I mean, you don't have to go down the library anymore. And a, a thing that I'm fond of saying is if you can't find where these things are, just tweet me, tweet Patricia, tweet Steve. You know, he knows where the stuff is. He can link you to the stuff. My inbox is full. I'm constantly getting right, mixed yeah. out. I mean, no, I'm serious. This is what mm. we do. And I think that everybody has a little bit of a responsibility to get to the point where they shoulder some of that. But this manifesto, though, what I love about it is it says point blank, don't go past your knowledge level. Once you don't understand something, call for a lifeline. Go out there and, and point yeah. to an expert. Find someone to help you. And if not, point them in the direction because we don't want to spread false information. We don't mm -hmm. want to just come off half cocked. We really do want to be advancing knowledge, real knowledge. And MMT is, and to me, is, is real hope. Maybe so, that should be the next um, conversation that we open up on the forum is like, okay, how to talk about the job guarantee to people who are, don't identify as progressives. Because uh, I'm, I'm sure people have got great ideas about that. I think that might be the next thing. Absolutely. So uh, real quick, I want to I want to plug the MMT podcast and Patricia one more time. It's a great podcast. Um, it, no, it really is. Okay. Well, the podcast is, if you want to talk to the podcast, it's at MMT podcast on Twitter. That's the easiest way to remember it. And then our Twitter handles are in the description of the at MMT podcast profile. So that's the easiest way to remember to find us. And the, the link to all the episodes is there. If you Google MMT podcast, it's easy to Google Rekna MMT podcast. So Rekna is the platform, uh, the zine that's putting us out. Does anybody say zine anymore? I just did. Rekna is spelled R-E-K-N-R. R-E-K-N-R. -E -E 
<laughs> and um, so sorry is it it's like 6 p.m i haven't woken up yet um yeah reckoner uh, uh so if you put reckoner mmt podcast into google you'll get it and there we go there's there's nine episodes out now on saturday night in the uk sunday morning in australia we're going to be talking to bill mitchell so we asked for questions for bill we asked uh, on the, the Modern Monetary Theory for Real Progressives Forum uh, if anybody had any questions for Bill. So, you know, keep those coming. We're getting a lot of them. And if you can get the questions down to like three paragraphs, that would help us. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, we're absolutely stoked that everybody's interested and they've got, they've got things to say. So, uh, you know, sorry if I come off flippant sometimes. Uh, you know, I, I'm genuinely uh, honored to be part of this community that's, you know, just the, they want to learn, they want to spread MMT, and I'm still learning. And, you know, I, I'm, I feel very privileged. And, you know, thanks for talking to me, Steve, and thanks for everything that you've done. Oh, no, this is wonderful. I really appreciate it. So, folks, want to thank you all very much. Please check out uh, Christian and Patricia on the MMT podcast. And with that, Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you being my friend and uh, thanks for everything you do. My pleasure.